I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Chapter 2 Infidelity 1, 2, and 3 Second-hand books were very welcome. In fact, the shop wouldn't have survived without them. Letters, bookmarks, and boarding passes emptied from the pages – Heartfelt messages of enduring love and devotion sliced from the flyleaf and from memory. Credit was given for all books purchased to keep the hard-won imports in circulation and away from the counterfeiting presses. We all know that everyone judges a book by its cover, but trying to educate the Vietnamese staff in the foibles of choosing appropriate books to promote to foreigners had a steep learning curve. One of them felt that disadvantaged books, unlikely ever to be sold, should take pride of place, leaving books that people actually wanted hidden on the shelves. Another turned all the display books to face herself at the counter in the rear of the shop. In a form of perverse marketing, arriving customers were welcomed with a rear side of bookends. The oppressive Hanoi climate meant that books were easily foxed, leading to the certain arrival within months of spots and brown stains on the pages. Second-hand books often landed in a sorry state, creating endless hours of boring work for the staff. I needed something more efficient to clean the books to make them more appealing to our discerning patrons in search of a riveting read under $2.50. Quite reasonably, customers who had written or drawn pictures on the page ends were flogged mercilessly with barbed whips and set alight at least in the imaginations of those assigned to clean up their foolishness. Somewhere, I'd seen a Japanese TV programme that featured a sanding machine designed to clean the foxed page ends of books. I made a visit to the black market with a plan. I located a mechanic in a greasy workshop who agreed to rig up a similar contraption. Within a few days, the emerging fiasco saw a prototype roughly assembled in an adjacent shed. Keenly, I shot over with a few copies from the bargain bin to test the apparatus. As usual, something had been lost in translation as I was presented with machinery better suited to a slaughterhouse. Blades and hammers were synchronised to pulverise anything thrown at it and it made short and ferocious work of a Barbara Cartland tossed into its gullet. Plan B meant that the bookshop returned to using the boxes of low-tech plastic-handled foot rasps a poor substitute for the space-age technology I'd been promising. Despite pounding the correct procedure into the bookshop staff, I once purchased a large stack of books from an attractive foreign woman with only a cursory glance at the pile. A closer look showed I had invested in a bunch of pulp crime novels and a collection of self-help titles, Infidelity, Volumes 1, 2 and 3. Women are from Venus, men are from Mars and climaxing with All Men Are Bastards. Maybe a new genre, bitter and twisted, would be needed for the shelves. The episode further disintegrated when I discovered the books had all been highlighted and savagely underlined. Exclamations 
and raging annotations about her presumably now ex-husband littered most pages. Damn, no one's ever going to buy these books. Despondent on wasting cash on unsaleable books, I constructed a proposal where I emailed all the potentially bitter and twisted women I knew in town and described in detail the chain of events. I concluded the story with a threat that I'd already written their names on the flyleaf of each and wouldn't erase it until they handed over 20 bucks. Unfortunately for me, they were all already so far beyond caring about being bitter and twisted that no one paid up. As expected, the books remained forever unsold on the shelf. Every day, second-hand books would be cleaned, repaired, taped and logged into the database. The books were given categories that were based on what the customers wanted, but also for the sake of the Vietnamese staff, so they could easily figure out where the books should be placed. Sometimes there were mistakes. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is not a travel book, for instance, but generally they were pretty good. It was a difficult job. A Vietnamese person who had the level of English I required was out of my pay range. And besides they would have had higher aspirations than working in a bookstore. I was behind the eight ball because none of the Vietnamese staff had any interest in reading. Their real ploy was to meet foreigners who might scoop them up for a better-paying job, and good luck to them, I thought. Their knowledge of English authors or titles was minimal, except for Vietnamese translations of the classics by Shakespeare or Dickens. It's not an ideal situation when bookshop staff don't read books, but eventually they would memorise what people liked, and I'd also set up the database to assist them to locate books and offer suggestions based on previous purchases. One of the earlier recruits was the daughter of a friend who was attending university part-time. Her English was barely adequate, but I was doing her mother a favour. However, for her, dealing with foreigners was a total mystery and a bit daunting. Customer service in Vietnam was generally not the sort most Westerners were used to. The bookshop was supposed to be a foreigner sanctuary, an escape from the melange on the street with the advantage of a clean toilet, a coffee machine, and with the added bonus of the welcome mat facing the right way. Towards closing time, Miss Twee had been taking phone calls for several days, but without any message. A customer, I queried? Maybe, she said. This went on for more days until it was embarrassingly disclosed that the caller had been a bad man, a Vietnamese hoping to engage her in phone sex. Worried, however, that he may ultimately request a book and she'd lose the sale, she listened intently for 20 or 30 minutes until he hung up and, or presumably, ejaculated. Strangely, she had assumed this weirdo must be a friend of mine. I sent her home the next few days in a taxi, having pointed out that the phone number was on the signage outside and he was most likely hiding in the dark laneway opposite and observing her through the front windows. We bought a whistle and he didn't call again. Miss Twee's employment came to an abrupt end after she stole the database holding the entire inventory. After the trouble the bookshop had already endured, I immediately began to wonder if she'd been told to do this by some malicious bureaucrat. Perhaps she was going to sell it to a local rival, intending to set up shop, no doubt, next door. The only advantage the bookshop possessed 
was that a local operation had no clue what stock was saleable, what customers buy and what they read, and how much they'd pay for it. And she'd taken the lot. After a worried night, I was assured my fears were unfounded. She tearfully explained she had no particular reason to take the information. It seems Miss Twee did it because she could. She didn't regard that it was stealing. It wasn't money. No, it was worse. It was everything. I upgraded my security. She returned the disc. I made her sign an unenforceable agreement that if the database found its way to anyone else's hands, I would chase her down to the end of the earth. Worse still, I'd tell her mother. Miss Twee spent the next couple of months hiding in the university library, pretending she was coming to work in case her mother questioned what she was up to. A year later, she would contact me for a reference for a job for which she was about to be interviewed. I was happy to oblige, but suggested it might be better if she found someone else. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 